Chapter Ten of Zadig. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arrowit. Zadig, or the Book of Fate, Chapter Ten, The Funeral Pile. Sitak transported with his good success of a slave made Sadig his favorite companion and confidant. He found him as necessary in the conduct of his affairs as the king of Babylon had before done in the administration of his government, and lucky it was for Zadig that Setak had no wife. He discovered that his master was in his temper benevolent, strictly honest, and a man of good natural parts. Zadig was very much concerned that one of so much sense should pay divine adoration to a whole host of created, though celestial beings, that is to say, the sun, moon, and stars, according to the ancient custom of the Arabians. He talked at first to his master with great precaution on so important a topic, but at last told him in direct terms that they were created bodies, as others, though of less luster, and that there was no more adoration due to them than to a stock or a stone. But, said Setak, they are eternal beings to whom we are indebted for all the blessings we enjoy. They animate nature, they regulate the seasons, they are, in a word, at such an infinite distance from us that it would be downright impious not to adore them. You are more indebted, said Zadig, to the waters of the Red Sea, which transport so many valuable commodities into the Indies. Why, pray, may not they be deemed as ancient as the stars? And if you are so fond of praying your adoration on account of their vast distance, why don't you adore the land of the Gangarides, which lies in the utmost extremities of the earth? No, said Setak, there is something so surprisingly more brilliant in the stars than what you speak of, that a man must adore them whether he will or not. At the close of the evening, Zadig planted a long range of candles in the front of his tent, where Setak and he were to sup that night. As soon as he perceived his patron to be at the door, he fell prostrate on his knees before the wax lights. O ye everlasting, ever-shining luminaries, be always propitious to your votary, said Zadig. Having repeated these words so loud as Setak might hear them, he sat down to table without taking the least notice of Setak. What, said Setak, somewhat startled at his conduct, art thou at thy prayers before supper? I act just as inconsistently, sir, as you do. I worship these candles without reflecting on their makers or yourself, who are my most beneficent patron. Setak took the hint, and was conscious of the reproof that was concealed so genteely under a veil. The superior wisdom of his slave enlightened his mind, and from that hour he was less lavish than ever he had been, of his incense to those created beings, and for the future he paid his adoration to the eternal God who made them. At that time there was a most hideous custom in high repute all over Arabia, which came originally from Scythia, but having met with the sanction of the begotted Brachmans, threatened to spread its infection all over the east. When a married man happened to die, if his dearly beloved widow ever expected to be esteemed a saint, she must throw herself headlong upon her husband's funeral pile. This was looked upon as a solemn festival, and was called the widow's sacrifice. That tribe which could boast the greatest number of burnt widows was looked upon as the most meritorious. An Arabian, who was of the tribe of Setak, happened just at that juncture to be dead, and his widow, Almona by name, who was a noted devotee, published the day, nay, the hour, that she proposed to throw herself, according to custom, on her deceased husband's funeral pile. 
and be attended by a concert of drums and trumpets. Zadig remonstrated to Setak what a shocking custom this was, and how directly repugnant to human nature by permitting young widows almost every day to become willful self-murderers when they might be of service to their country, either by the addition of new subjects or by the education of such as demanded their maternal indulgence. And, by arguing seriously with Setak for some time, he forced from him at last an ingenuous confession that the barbarous custom then subsisting ought, if possible, to be abolished. "'Tis now, replied Setak, above a thousand years since the widows of Arabia have been indulged with this privilege of dying with their husbands, and how shall any one dare to abrogate a law that has been established time out of mind? Is there anything more inviolable than even an ancient error? But, replied Zadig, reason is of more ancient date than the custom you plead for. Do you communicate these sentiments to the sovereigns of your tribes, and in the meanwhile I'll go and sound the widow's inclinations. Accordingly he paid her a visit, and having insinuated himself into her favor by a few compliments on her beauty, after urging what a pity it was that a young widow, mistress of so many charms, should make away with herself for no other reason but to mingle her ashes with a husband that was dead, he, notwithstanding, applauded her for her heroic constancy and courage. "'I perceive, madam,' said he, "'you was excessively fond of your deceased spouse.' "'Not I, truly,' replied the young Arabian devotee. "'He was a brute, infected with a groundless jealousy of my virtue, and, in short, a perfect tyrant. But, notwithstanding all this, I am determined to comply with our custom.' Surely, then, madam, there's a sort of secret pleasure in being burnt alive. Alas, with a sigh, cried Almona, tis a shock indeed to nature, but must be complied with for all that. I am a professed devotee, and should I shew the least reluctance, my reputation would be lost forever. All the world would laugh at me should I not burn myself on this occasion. Zadig, having forced her ingenuously to confess that she parted with her life more out of regard to what the world would say of her, and out of pride and ostentation, than any real love for the deceased, he talked to her for some considerable time so rationally, and used so many prevailing arguments with her to justify her due regard for the life which she was going to throw away, that she began to waive the thought, and entertain a secret affection for her friendly monitor. "'Pray, madam, tell me,' said Zadig, "'how would you dispose yourself upon the supposition that you could shake off this vain and barbarous notion?' "'Why,' said Dame, with an amorous glance, "'I think verily I should accept of yourself for a second bedfellow.' The memory of Astarte had made too strong an impression on his mind to clothe with this warm declaration. He took his leave, however, that moment, and waited on the chiefs. He communicated to them the substance of their private conversation, and prevailed with them to make it a law for the future that no widow should be allowed to fall a victim to a deceased husband, till after she had admitted some young man to converse with her in private for a whole hour together. The law was passed accordingly, and not one widow in all Arabia from that day to this ever observed the custom. T'was to Zadig alone that the Arabian dames were indebted for the abolition, in one hour, of a custom so very inhuman that it had been practiced for such a number of ages. Zadig, therefore, with the strictest justice, was looked upon by all the fair sex in Arabia as their most bountiful benefactor. End of chapter 10